Since 1931, Financial Executives International has been the leading advocate for the views of corporate financial management. Its more than 10,000 members hold policy-making positions as chief financial officers, chief accounting officers, controllers and treasurers at companies from every major industry. And FEI enhances its members' professional development through peer networking, career management services, conferences, research, and publications. Join FEI today to network with key influencers, understand emerging issues, advocate for corporate finance, and boost your career opportunities. Both individual and corporate membership options are available. Go to www.financialexecutives.org and click on Become a Member, or look for the link in this episode's show notes. This is Chris Westfall, and this is the FAI Weekly Podcast. Over the past year, the accounting profession has been waiting for the Securities and Exchange Commission to reveal new disclosure rules around sustainability reporting. The rules will have a major impact on how public companies construct and communicate their financial reports. But a funny thing happened on the way to the SEC rules. California, the largest state economy and one of the largest world economies, passed their own sustainability disclosure legislation that throws an even greater amount of complexity around the ESG reporting debate. In this episode of the podcast, we speak with Christina Wyatt, Deputy General Counsel and Chief Sustainability Officer for Carbon and Climate Reporting Platform Persephone, about the rules and how they could enhance or conflict with the SEC proposals. Well, thanks, Ms. Wyatt, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Uh, I know there's a lot of conversations going on in uh, the corporate finance and accounting and, uh, you know, where the um, regulators are going and what um, investors are expecting uh, as far as new rules around disclosure, around sustainability. But I want to sort of always like to start these conversations by level setting and, and going, maybe you could describe a little bit of your background and you have both a legal and regulatory background, but maybe you could describe a little bit and how you got to Persephone today. Sure. I'm happy to. And thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm, I'm really pleased to be here. So my background is as a securities lawyer, as a transactional lawyer, I spent many years at Latham and Watkins, the second largest law firm in the world doing uh, transactional work. And at, at some point I um, started to work in sustainability, went back to school, got an MBA in sustainability and pivoted my focus to sustainability in a fashion that included both the firm's internal sustainability program, its pro bono program, and the commercial practice, and really helping to build an ESG practice there. And along the way, I came to know Allison Heron Lee, who became the acting chair of the SEC when President Biden was elected. And she asked me to come over to the SEC to work on climate and ESG disclosure issues. And of course, I, I very happily agreed to do that. Um, so I took a one-year assignment at the SEC and worked on the climate proposal that is currently pending. 
And during that time, I came to appreciate the, the emerging role and the importance of technology in helping companies to be able to measure and manage their greenhouse gas emissions. And this is so critical to uh, companies being able to address these large swaths of data that they're uh, that they're going to be reporting, but also to enhancing the uh, reliability of that data for investor purposes. So uh, when I left the SEC, I went to Persephone, which is where I am now, and we're a, a carbon accounting software company. We help companies to, to measure and manage their greenhouse gas emissions. So that is, that's where I am now, and I'm Deputy General Counsel and Chief Sustainability Officer, so I do wear both of those hats. Great. Yeah, and I, I have a lot of questions uh, around, you know, your experience in data and, and getting our hands around that, but I, I want to start off with something that's like on the top of all our members' minds. You know, especially those who are in public companies, and they're they're, they're waiting on the SEC's proposal on climate disclosure. Disclosure, um, and um, you know, what are your thoughts about that? But also, I understand that California just passed some new rules around climate emissions. Uh, you know, maybe we'll start off with. Could you give us some broad ideas or concepts that are in the California law? Uh, and and what they mean for ESG? Sure, I'm I'm happy to. There are actually three laws that passed and that that Governor Newsom signed. I guess bills that Governor Newsom signed into law that relate to climate disclosures. And this all happened uh, last month in October of 2023. Uh, the first one is California SB 253, and that's a bill that would require companies that are U.S.-based entities that do business in California and have a billion dollars in revenue to report their scopes one, two, and three greenhouse gas emissions and to get assurance over uh, those disclosures. The second one is SB 261. And this one, for people who are somewhat familiar with the broader climate reporting landscape around the world, looks quite a bit like the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, or the TCFD. It asks companies to disclose their climate-related risks and how they're addressing those risks, which is really what the TCFD was was designed to do. And then the third bill, AB 1305, regulates businesses that market or sell voluntary carbon offsets in California, as well as any entities that purchase or use voluntary carbon offsets that are sold within the state. Um, and so that's uh, a bill that will require companies to provide information to their stakeholders about their use of Carbon offsets, uh, the source of the offsets, et cetera. Was there anything in the bills that have been implemented or are being implemented now that was sort of a surprise to you? Or what was the industry expecting a lot of what came out of the California laws? I, I think a lot of people were a little bit surprised just by the fact of the bills and that they that they passed. I think so much of the focus has been on the SEC. 
and perhaps on the rest of the world, the CSRD. So I think that there was perhaps a bit of surprise just at the fact that California sort of jumped ahead and adopted these regulations. I think so much focus has been on the SEC and the climate disclosure proposals that are pending there, as well as the the CSRD out of Europe and its implementing regulations and the ISSB, the International Sustainability Standards Board, and the standards that it's been developing. And I just think that a lot of people didn't have their eye on California quite as much as as other jurisdictions. And so that seems to be the the sentiment that I've heard is is just a bit of surprise that that California has kind of taken this leadership role. Yeah, and I just from my own experience, I mean, there was one thing that uh, a lot of public companies and corporates are fond of is, is, is surprises, but given, given that is, is what it is, maybe, you know, thinking about it, you know, California is, is the largest economy of any U S state. And, and, and when really is one of the largest economies in the world, um, you know, given that they've adopted and, and are implementing these new rules, what's the knock on effect for companies that are necessarily located in California, um, you know, just around these requirements? Yeah. So I think the new laws will have broad effect. And just thinking about their coverage, they're not limited to companies based in California. So they apply to U.S. entities that are doing business in California. So the coverage is, is quite broad. The estimates that I've seen with regard to the number of companies that will be subject to SB 253, the first of those bills, the one that would require companies to disclose their scopes one, two, and three emissions, uh, is that there will be some 5,400 companies that are subject to that law. So it's, you know, it has quite a broad impact. Um, I, I think that the laws will to some extent, help solidify the direction of travel that we're seeing regulators and standard setters around the world taking in their climate disclosure requirements, as well as the direction of travel that we're seeing companies taking in their voluntary disclosures. And the reason that I say that is that when you look at SB, <clears throat> excuse me, when you look at SB 253 and SB 261, they really do track with the disclosure requirements that underpin the SEC proposal and uh, the CSRD in Europe and the ISSB standards, meaning that they follow the greenhouse gas protocol, which is the framework for thinking about how you measure your greenhouse gas emissions that define scopes one, two, and three emissions, and then the TCFD, the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, which I mentioned earlier. Yeah, and and that's what I want to get to a little bit too, is sort of reconciling what California has done with what, you know, I guess the rest of the um, market is considering that the SEC might do, and, and that's been going on for a while. So, you know, obviously our members are concerned about employing new disclosure measures and and given that California has already adopted new climate disclosure rules, you know, before federal rules, you know, can set off alarm bells. How do you, 
I, I guess, counsel companies about sort of like their worry over the overlapping rules, confusion, um, or or do you think that's not on the table at this point? No, we hear a lot about concern that companies that are subject to regulation in different jurisdictions might have different reporting obligations. Mm. And I think that once the SEC rule comes out and we start to have greater clarity as to what the overall landscape looks like, that will help to alleviate some of those concerns. One of the things that I think is quite helpful is this harmonization that we're seeing in the broad reporting landscape. And to step back for a second, where we've come from is really a fragmented world of what used to be called sort of the the alphabet soup of ESG reporting standards. And Hmm. now there's quite significant harmonization around the greenhouse gas protocol, which defines uh, how you measure your greenhouse gas emissions and the task force on climate related financial disclosures, the TCFD, which helps companies to build frameworks to think about how climate risk manifests as financial risk and how they think about their governance and their strategy and their risk management and the metrics that they set to address that climate related financial risk. And the harmonization that we're seeing is quite helpful, I think. So all of these different reporting requirements that are coming down the path, including the CSRD out of Europe, and the ISSB standards, the SEC proposal of California, they all do go back to those core frameworks, the Greenhouse Gas Protocol and the TCFD, which is, I think, quite helpful. Now, there are differences, certainly, in scope of coverage and what the specific reporting requirements will be. And that's where, you know, I think people are concerned about just figuring out you know what they're what they're going to have to do in different jurisdictions and i think that once we have the final rules from the sec that will help quite a bit um but for now having that common direction of travel i think is is quite useful and we certainly advise companies to look to the greenhouse gas protocol and the tcfd as those sort of anchor frameworks that all of these different reporting requirements are going to be looking to. Yeah. And it's good to have that sort of harmonization, but I wanted to ask you, I mean, or is there any aspect of reporting requirements between California and what's expected from the U I mean, I guess the various uh, reporting requirements, whatever jurisdiction they're in that you have the most, um, that you think will require the most work in harmonizing going forward. I know there's been a lot of work done on, on you know, carbon reporting requirements, but um, is there something within the disclosures you think really should be a focus in the near future? Yeah, I think it's, it's helpful for companies to really focus on their, the different uh, sustainability disclosure requirements that, that are coming down the pike and uh, when you think about climate, it's rather easier to focus on the harmonization because that's an area where we really do have a pretty clear direction of travel. 
Um, and that's partly simply because the ISSB, the International Sustainability Standards Board, and the SEC started with climate. And so we have right. greater guidance there. And that's where we can look to the Greenhouse Gas Protocol and the TCFD to help guide how we think about disclosures and how we think about readiness. There are other reporting standards that, that are emerging certainly out of Europe and the ISSB that relate to other sustainability issues. And those relate to other environmental issues, nature, human capital, supply chain, human mm -hmm. rights, deforestation, water use, a whole array of different topics. And so I think that those still really need to emerge. Uh, we have uh, some guidance from Europe uh, in the CSRD and the ESRS is the European Sustainability Reporting Standards that implement the CSRD that start to give a, a sense for how those other topics will be regulated. But I think there's still um, more to come in that realm. I wanted to ask you, um, you know, obviously um, sustainability is a topic not only in in um, corporate finance, but in the political sphere as well. And, and that has knock on effects within capital markets. Um, how do you counsel uh, the people you speak with about dealing with the sort of clamor and and. I guess political angst around sustainability and and how it's how it's being discussed in the market to what actually is needs to be done. I mean, how how do you I guess turn down the rhetoric and focus on the um, the task at hand when it comes to sustainability? Yeah, I mean, these are hard issues for sure. I'm not going to try to minimize the impact of the anti-ESG rhetoric. But what I what I tell people when they ask for my opinion on this is to really try to focus on the financial impacts of the climate risks and opportunities that they face. And so if you can anchor your analysis and your planning back to the financial risks and the financial opportunities, then you're sort of meeting those challengers at, at the point where it's sort of incontrovertible. You know, it's, we're, we're not mm. tree huggers. Some of us really care about the environment. Others really don't care about the environment and just are concerned about the bottom line. But that point where climate manifests as financial risk and opportunity is a point of intersection where everybody ought to be able to agree that these are issues that we need to be addressing and we need to be addressing in, in a serious way that helps to protect our financial institutions, helps to protect investors in the U.S. and global capital markets, and ultimately can help to bolster the financial stability of, of the global markets. Yeah, those are important points. I just always try to understand, you know, given the changes in the in 
you know, political landscape, the impact on, on the market. I, there's another aspect to this, and, and that's something that actually Persephone and our research foundation worked on, which is a, a new paper that we're going to be issuing talking about, you know, the talent issues that repairs are dealing with when it comes to reporting sustainability measures. There's always, there's a talent, there's a wider uh, accounting talent issue going on, but um, you know, having the skills needed to report sustainability or is a particular, uh, you know, a particular need right now. What do you see the are the biggest challenges when it comes to filling the ESG talent gap? Yeah, I mean, I think that the biggest challenges have to do with just the fact that so much of this is is new and emerging. And so, you know, I think we're all learning and the world is is changing. And so there are specific skills and knowledge that people are going to need to be able to address the challenges that ESG issues present. And those are going to evolve. So, you know, people will learn the things that they need to learn in order to address these issues. But in the short term, that there is this talent gap. We have challenges that we need to address and um, we don't necessarily have people who have been working in this space for years and years because these are emerging issues. So more than specific skills, I think that what we're seeing is that there's a need for leaders and, and those in the trenches to cultivate certain characteristics to be able to address the, the changes that we're seeing. And these characteristics include an ability to operate in a world that has some inherent uncertainty and an ability to embrace change, an innovative mindset, and ability to distill the really vast array of issues that are out there and focus on what's really meaningful for your company. Um, as always, sort of a learning mindset and I think importantly, also an ability to find opportunities in the change that we're facing. So it's not all about sort of additional costs and compliance burdens, but how do we find opportunities that we can capitalize on? Great. Terrific. Those are my questions. I want to thank you for taking the time today. It's been a really great conversation. Thank you so much for having me. It's really great to talk with you. 